Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like I literally just halt dead in my tracks and the girls are like, what? And I say, he's here. And they're like, what do you mean he's here? I'm like, he's here. He's right in front of me. And they're just, they're crying. I'm just standing there, you know, they're clutching me and I'm just standing there. And they're like, what is he saying? What is he saying? You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences of the spirit world. My name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist and the author of three books about real-life spooky and spiritual experiences. My guest this week, Rebecca Coombs, is the host of the Healthy Gut podcast, as well as an author, speaker and mentor. Rebecca has had a lifetime of paranormal experiences. In fact, she was first on The Ghost Files in March to share the creepy tale of her weekend away in a very haunted house in the English city of Bath. Today, she's back to tell us about an incredibly moving encounter involving the spirit of a dear friend who sadly took his own life. You won't want to miss this story or its uplifting postscript. Before we get started, please note that if this issue raises concerns for you, support is available. You can call Lifeline in Australia on 13 11 14. Here's my conversation with Rebecca Coombs. Get ready for goosebumps. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome back to The Ghost Files. Hi, Karina. It's wonderful to be back on your show. Thank you for coming back to share another mind-boggling and heart-expanding story set in England, as your other experience was. But this is a very different kind of story, isn't it, Rebecca? This one is. This one um, was very emotional, very unexpected, but in a way, was beautiful at the same time. And was this before or after the experience in the haunted house in Bath that you shared with us earlier? This one happened after that Bath experience. I felt like that experience in Bath just opened the floodgates to my my little spidey senses, <laughs> even though they were already there. Uh, but I wonder whether I would have been able to have this experience had it not been for my um, very ghostly experience in the house in Bath in England. And as you'll go on to share with us, the experiences share a couple of things in common as well. Despite being very different, there are some common factors. Yes, there are. So, uh, (laughs) And what's interesting is as um, the years have gone on since these two experiences, um, that now seems to be a common theme. So I will share what that is, but uh, (laughs) your listeners are now thinking, what on earth is she talking about? What are the common experiences she has with her ghostly experiences? Well, let's go there. Tell us um, what was going on in your life when this was. Just set it up for us a little bit um, so that we get a sense of how how things were panning out for you when this all took place. 
So this um, next experience occurred mid in the mid-2000s. I'd been living in the UK, in London, for quite a few years at this point. I was in my mid-20s and um, I had an amazing group of friends of all sorts of nationalities and was absolutely loving life. Uh, when this next experience occurred. Um, Very unexpected, very out of the blue, and it was the first time I ever had to deal with anything like this. Please share with us what happened. A friend of mine um, very sadly committed suicide one night in London and it was my first experience dealing with somebody that had got to a point where they felt that that was their only choice. Um, I'd never, obviously you hear about the ramifications on the people that are left when suicide occurs, but I had to experience that firsthand and it was profound and so sad uh, to see that, you know, this friend of mine felt that that's what he had to do and then just the the ripple effect it had and I used to think if only he knew how many people his death has affected and how much it's affected all of us. Um, so uh, to set the scene, I was living with two of my best friends in London. Um, there was a very strong connection with my friend who passed away. Um, one of my flatmate sisters had been um, going out with him. And so we knew him. I wouldn't say I was best friends with him, but I'd spent a reasonable amount of time with him. We knew him uh, pretty well. Um, and he was part of our overall group of friends. Um So I got the call the day after he committed suicide. I was out shopping, actually. I think I was um, on Kensington High Street shopping and uh, my one of my flatmates called and, and told me that he had um, passed away and I was just so shocked, um, went home and, you know, my um, one of my flatmates, um, she and I came back to the flat together and we just sat there just crying and commiserating and hugging each other and just saying, you know, why and how and oh my gosh. And our other flatmate was with her sister and the immediate group of um, friends that had been living with him as they were just dealing with those very immediate hours after something like this occurs. And over the next couple of days, you know, as we just, you know, as you just experience the fallout of something like this, it really got me thinking about, you know, I have this skill, if that's what you want to call it, of being able to connect with spirits, energies, people that have passed over. And I really started to think about my friend and really think about, you know, wonder if I could connect with him. I had been sitting down um, one evening with my flatmate and we just you know, we'd been at work that day and we came home and we had some dinner together. We'd had a glass of wine together and we just sat there talking about him, about all the wonderful things that we remembered about him, the things that we had enjoyed about his company and just, I guess, reminiscing and sharing the good times. Um, you know, feeling very sad about it, but trying to think about the positives about his life and the impact he'd had on us. We went to bed. Um, I went off to my room. She went off to her room and I wasn't ready for sleep yet. And I sat on the end of my bed and I sat there, you know, fully awake, fully conscious. It wasn't like I'd been asleep and then woke up. I was very much awake. And I sat on the end of my bed and I thought, I've got a skill. I wonder if he can feel me or if he knows I'm here. 
And then I thought, how do spirits know I can connect with them? Like, what is it about me? How do they find me? And so I started to imagine looking at the world, but from quite a way away in space so I could see the full circumference of the world. And then I imagined that people like myself are like bright beams of light that shoot out into the atmosphere that are a a beacon, like a lighthouse, guiding the spirits to them if they need to be found. And so as I was visualising the globe with various beams of light jutting out of it, I suddenly felt like I had been electrocuted. And I actually thought that the light fitting, which I was sitting directly underneath, had fallen from the ceiling and hit me and electrocuted me. It was such a painful and kind of strong zap that I experienced. And I look up and the lights are still on and the light fitting is still in the ceiling. And I realise that my room is pulsating with energy and I'm getting zapped. And that was the thing that I got with my experience in Bath in England where I was being zapped pretty violently by the blue light. And I think because I had had that experience already, I was like, oh, somebody's here. And I then, rather than being scared, I thought, okay, well, Rebecca, you just put this out to the universe. So you were just imagining how people that have passed can find you. Uh, You got it quicker than you thought. (laughs) So somebody's here to deliver a message. And I sat back down on the bed and sort of closed my eyes gently um, and just said to myself, I'm ready to accept the message. And opened my eyes again and kind of was looking around the room and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for the message. And then instantly my whole vision was taken up as if I was looking at the widest screen, cinema screen that you've ever seen that is so wide it blocks out everything from your vision. So my peripheral vision was gone. My immediate vision was gone. And it was my friend It was a close-up of his face. So all I could see was his face. There was nothing else um, there. And it was a kind of a a white background. It was a black and white image. There was zero colour to this. And he then showed me why he committed suicide through the expressions on his face. So there was no language. There was not even a message that I was receiving as such in in a word form or even a thinking form. It was just pure emotion on a face. And so then, were you then feeling that emotion as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. I was very much like I was the emotion. I was his face. It was he and I were kind of one. And... It was, I mean, it was it was very sad. It was, you know, hurt and betrayal and anger and fear and frustration. But, but each expression was like a millisecond. So it was flash, 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 as he told me the why. But it was microseconds. It just felt like it was almost like those old-fashioned black and white films where it kind of flicks through the image, but it was super fast. And... And I just, you know, I was just there just with my eyes wide open, just watching him deliver his message, flick, 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 and then gone. 
And the whole time that he was telling me his message, I was vibrating. I had the most incredible electric current cursing through my body. My room was, it felt like it was shaking. And I felt like I literally had someone with a a cable attached to me and they were just pumping me full of electricity. And then the final image that he showed me was just such despair and sadness. And then he was gone. And the moment he was gone, the room stopped vibrating. There had almost been like a shimmering. Before I saw his face, there had been a shimmering to the room. It was like, you know, when you look off in the distance and there's that shimmering on the horizon on a hot surface, that's what my room had become like. Um, That disappeared, the energy disappeared, the zapping disappeared, and then my room went back to normal. And I was left on my bed so overwhelmed because I'd never had anything like that happen before thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? How on earth am I going to tell my friends what I've just experienced? Rebecca, it's just an utterly extraordinary experience on so many levels. I mean, the intentionality of it and and your hyper-conscious state throughout uh, that's just one aspect that that strikes me. You know, you were sitting on the bed, you you made this happen. You first you fell into this kind of meditative state, but from and that seemed to open a kind of portal to connecting. But at no point were you asleep. At no point, you know, were you not fully participating in this. And I find that utterly amazing and it just it makes your experience unique I I feel it does I had I'd never brought a spirit to me like I had with him Um, that always appeared and and frightened me with their surprise (laughs) we're here uh, (laughs) kind of experience whereas I I mean, I hadn't called to him directly. I hadn't said, hey, friend, and obviously I won't mention his name, but come. Uh, But I had been thinking about him and I had imagined how one might find me. So I guess that was enough um, for him. I think um, the other thing I wanted to just pull out of it is how you you knew that you are a beacon, You, you people who have a skill you called it, others might call it a gift, yet others might call it a curse. Um, you do, you are said to shine like beacons to the spirit world and lost souls or, or spirits that need help or, or perhaps others that, um, that are not lost but simply want to communicate will find their way to you. And um, it's such a beautiful image that you painted there of, of the lights jutting out of of the earth and you you being one of them you know I just thought that was it was quite beautiful yeah it was uh, you know I'd never thought about that before and it was really interesting how that night that's what I imagined us to be I would say at that point in my time I didn't know very much about being a conduit. I just knew what happened to me and I've since gone and, you know, listened and read and and learned so much more about it. Uh, Also, thanks to podcasts like yours, which really helped to hear other people's stories and podcasts didn't exist in those days. I wish they had. I would have felt less alone with this um, experience and this skill. Um, But it was amazing how my friend 
uh, found me, out of all of the people that were desperately sad and mourning his loss, that I was the one. And, And with that also came a lot of questions to myself, like, why me? Why not one of the others? We were friends, but we weren't best friends. I wouldn't have called him my closest friend. I really enjoyed his company. I had spent a good amount of time with him, but he had way closer friends. Um, and I was like, why do I Why do I get the message? What is it about me that makes me the person that now has to figure out how do I tell all of my friends this message? Because this is crazy. <laughs> because who's going to believe that he came to me and told me why through facial expressions when he didn't leave a note? Uh, you know, that, that was really, um, it was a heavy burden to bear um, that night. I didn't sleep much that night as I pondered the realities of do I tell people, do I not tell people, um, you know, and thinking, well, if I was them, I would want to know. But it wasn't a good message. It wasn't a I'm sorry and I love you all. It was I'm hurt and so upset and sad and betrayed that's why I've done it, not a message of love at that point in time. And that's, yeah, that is and very hard. So hard. And it's so powerful how he let you know that. And you not only saw via the expressions on his face in the vision, but you also felt it uh, as if it, you were one, as you said, going through it. And I can imagine that that must have been such a burden. And Before we go into talking about what you indeed did decide to do the next day and who you did decide to tell, Rebecca, I just want to pick up on the question that you asked yourself, which is kind of the million-dollar question, why me? And my sense is to say, well, you, you could do it. You could see him. And why that should be, that question I can't answer. But I think there are clues in your physiological makeup, perhaps, because Again, we've got this uh, experience of the electricity, which is something very physical and tangible that's going on in your body, the frequency of the vibration and the electricity. I wondered if you could reflect on that, like what you think that is, and maybe even tap on the experience that happened in Bath. For any listeners who haven't yet heard that story, I encourage you to go and listen, go back in into the podcast and listen to that episode. But, yeah, what do you think about that electrical kind of current that um, sets apart your experiences? That's a really good question and I've actually, I don't know that I've ever really pondered it. It just is, it just happens. Uh, so I just take it for, well, that's just how my experiences occur. Um, what is interesting is that I, I always get the electrical zap first these days um, when there is a very profound um, experience to be had and you know it's like it's a it's like an opening of the door it's like someone presses a doorbell it's it's a notification we're here or I'm here um, take note uh, listen to what's going on um, you know yeah, it's and and maybe it is that connection of planes. I'm not sure. It's yeah, it's it's a really interesting question, and now it's really got me thinking about it. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I need right. to go and 
read a bit more about this and try and learn about what is this electric field or currency that or current that goes through me. The fact that I've seen the electricity with the blue electric thing in Bath and and do go listen to that, guys, if you haven't, because that was pretty profound. Um, uh, that's the only time I've seen the electricity. The rest of the time it's just a very um, sensory, pulsating, painful at the start experience when it you know it's like that feeling when you get zapped by something um Mm. but like a thousand times stronger so you know you might touch something if you've been getting a bit of static electric energy like walking on carpet with some particular types of shoes and you touch a surface and you go oh that was a bit of a zap it's just like that feeling but really strong like you've been electrocuted not just a quick zap so, and it's interesting. interesting because the electrical um, electrical malfunctions are reported a lot around people who have skills like yours, Rebecca. And so, for instance, you know, computers, phones, watches, when people used to wear them more often, they'd always um, malfunction. And so that's kind of connected, I think, to what you're describing. Also, people who, who report near-death experiences and then come back from those will often interfere all the time with electrical appliances and all sorts of things. So there's definitely something fascinating going on there. The other interesting thing that people do report is a static or a feeling of kind of the air before a thunderstorm, which is that kind of sense, staticky sense, prior to some sort of experience uh, of a spiritual nature or, or um, seeing an apparition. So that also makes me think of your experience. So, yeah, there's definitely so much to explore there. It's just um, so intriguing. It really is. And even the shimmering like mm. Oh, sorry, my my printer's just decided to start making noise. I hope that's not coming through in the recording. No, it's not. But um, is that I wonder if that's electrical. <laughs> <laughs> it's just turned itself on and it's making some noise. Oh thanks, printer. We should leave that in because that's extraordinary. My spidey senses, somebody's just gone, you're talking about playing with some electricity. Well, here you go. <laughs> That is really funny. Oh, gosh. So I was about to say the shimmering of the surface, like when you're looking at a really hot surface, um, you know, that's that's interesting because it's, it is affecting the vision of my current dimension. Um, you, know, I'll, you know, I was in my bedroom in London in it, – it wasn't – complete winter but it wasn't warm weather and suddenly my whole room is shimmering and like it's like waves of um reality it was really it's really bizarre how that occurs and I was listening to one of your other episodes with a woman talking about that and I was like oh my gosh that's what I get so that was really it was actually really great to know that others have experienced that shimmering as well I was going to bring that up because I I knew as you were saying that I thought to myself I have heard that recently and it's and it wouldn't have been the first or second time either so I've certainly heard that before which I just love when we can pick out those common elements you know it just it just helps us tie in everything and it validates I think it validates the experiences as well it does because these are often very um isolating you're you're often on your own or if you do have people around you they can't see what you can see as occurred 
in, at the second part of my story today. Um, so you you do feel very alone with this skill, and it's nice to know through the through modern technology these days that there are others that are like you. And when I first started trying to learn more about this, you know, I'd, I'd be reading books and all the rest, but hearing somebody else's story through their own voice, um, I think is even more profound than when you read a book because you really hear the emotion and the experience of that that person went through. And then when you pick out elements, you go, well, I get that and I get that. It It is really comforting and you think, oh, yay. <laughs> I'm not the crazy lady. <laughs> You're not the crazy lady, not at all. And I, yes, I love that you you note that because it's true. I mean, I guess it all harks back to that kind of tradition of oral storytelling around the fire, and these these experiences in particular really lend themselves to that. And I love how my work's been able to evolve from the books to the podcasts, and it certainly has um, expanded that dimension. And I think it's. Um, it's enriched it, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, it really has. And I think um, tapping into something that is innately human, which is storytelling, and it comes, we've been doing it for so long, uh, and we often forget the art or the power of storytelling in in our modern world. And I think that's why podcasts are so popular, because it is storytelling, and that's what we've been doing for millennia. Speaking of storytelling, and you're a wonderful storyteller, Rebecca, please tell us what happened next. So the next day, you didn't sleep much that night. What did you end up deciding to do with this really profound and personal information that your friend had delivered? I got up the following morning and um, my friend, my my housemate, got up at a similar time and and I, as I came out of my room, she came out of hers and she said, oh, gosh, you look terrible. You look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> and oh, I said, um, <laughs> well, actually I have. And she has known me for a long time. We've, we met at school. So, um, and I'm really grateful that she's, she does not discount what I say. She's very much believes what I say when I talk about these experiences. And she just kind of stopped it in her tracks and she said, who? And I said, our friend came to visit me last night and she was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And kind of ran over to me and she's like, what, what did he say? And I said, well, oh, he told me why. And we just stood there and we kind of cried and I told her what he had delivered to me. And I said, I don't know what to do with this. And she said, wow, that's really intense. And I said, you know, our friend's sister, like I feel like she needs to know, but I don't think she needs to know now. Like this is really, it's not the happy ending. It's not a happy message. Um, and she said, no, I agree. I don't think she needs to know right now. And she said, why don't we tell our other housemate? Why don't I tell our other housemate, who is the sister, Um she can then decide whether she wants to hear. She said, I won't tell her the details. I'll just tell her he came to you. And then if she feels that she wants to hear the message, she can ask you. 
um, if she doesn't feel that she needs to or wants to hear the message, then she doesn't have to. And I said, that's a good idea. So she told our other housemate. Our other housemate was like, wow, oh, my gosh, I don't know I'm ready for this yet, but thank you for telling me. I'm glad he's made contact um, and didn't even question it, which was, again, relieving for me because it's very easy for people to say, you're crazy, this is not true, why are you inserting yourself in this story? Um, And there are some people in the broader group that felt that way, that do not believe what my experience was and that's okay. That's their choice to and viewpoint and I'm not going to force anybody to believe um, what I experienced. Um, So when the time was right, my and we really didn't see our other housemate for some time. She was there just being a good sister to her sister who was going through hell. Um, Mm. But when the time was right, she said, she approached me and she said, I think I'm ready to hear it and I want to hear it before my sister. I need to be the gatekeeper for her because she's really quite broken from this experience and I need to protect her. And I said, of course, that's fine. I said, but I need to preface by saying it's not a happy ending and it's not a happy story. And she said, okay, well, that's fine. So we sat down one night and I told her exactly as I have said it, but with all the details. And she said, okay, my sister is not ready for this at all, but I'm going to tell her he contacted you because I think she will find some peace or comfort knowing that he did make contact. And so she Mm -hmm. did tell her. um, The message came back from her sister saying, thank you. Um, I'm glad he's made contact with somebody. I'm glad somebody knows I'm not ready, but can I tell you when I am? And I'd I'd like you to tell me the details of when I am. So some months later when she felt strong enough to hear it, um, she came over for dinner and um, and I said to her, you know, I need you to be fully aware that this is not a happy ending, that the message he delivered was not a happy message. Um, I don't want to tell you the details until I feel that you're really ready for this. And she said, I've spent a lot of time thinking and, I'm ready. I really am ready for whatever it is. And I kind of reiterated again, are you sure? And she said, yes. And so the two of us went and sat in a room, just the two of us and I then told her and she thanked me for it. And, you know, there's a lot of tears um, from both of us. And she said, I'm, you know, I'm really glad he found somebody to tell because he wasn't able to leave a note to tell us why. And I'm glad somebody knows. And she said, are you okay if I tell other people in the group? And I said, sure. But there will be people that don't believe me or you in telling this. And and I'm not telling this to cause a scene or, you know, I'm just a messenger. Um, so please understand that I never wanted this. Um, I'm, I'm here to deliver his message. Uh, so, you know, that was that was kind of that how it ended at that point in in time and and there is a uh, a second chapter to this story but that's mm. where we got to at that time hearing you sort of explain how all of that panned out with you sharing the details with your friends loved ones it strikes me that it would have taken quite a bit of courage for you to do this so even if you did you know, step so delicately and preface, you know, and all of that, it still would have taken courage to do because this is something that we're not meant to be able to do. 
And this is also such a delicate and sensitive situation as well. So, yeah, I just wanted to commend you on on your courage in sharing it. Thank you. It was it was pretty tough, I'll be honest, yeah. and particularly when it involves the death, the suicide of someone's partner and part mm. of the messages about that partner. It's very hard as the third person, the messenger, to be truthful and not, I mean, she was she's a good friend. I didn't want to hurt her, um, but I didn't want to not tell her the full message either. So, um you know, and I think it was good that we we all took our time with it, and it would have been too raw, too upsetting if she if I'd gone in and you know immediately told all of the information in those early days. It would not have been the right thing to do. So I think we all did the right thing in waiting the months that we waited before I gave her the complete message. And there is a postscript, as you say. Um... Tell us, please, what happened. I think it was three months later, was it, Rebecca? It was some months later. Um, I can't remember exactly how long now, but it was, it might have even been six or seven or eight months um, because when he passed away, it was the cold weather. And then when this uh, next chapter occurred, we were in the midst of summer and we, my two friends, my two housemates and I, and a whole bunch of of our other friends, including many of my friends' friends who'd passed away. We had went to Glastonbury Music Festival and Glastonbury is positioned, the farm that it's held on is positioned on the intersection of two positive ley lines. There's the most incredible energy at that place Um, and I've been there a couple of times to the festival and I just, like I can feel it, it is like a really strong kind of electric and energy current for me. Now it's not, wouldn't be like that for everybody, but for me it's really strong. Mm. And I've been there on years when it's rained in biblical proportions. and <laughs> But this one year I went, it was sunny at the start of the festival, which is actually pretty rare for Glastonbury. It's normally a mud fest. And we'd arrived to the festival a couple of days early and we'd set up our camp and then we were walking down towards the cider tent and the sun was shining. Um, I had my girlfriends on either side of me. I think we even had our arms interlinked. We were so happy to be at Glastonbury. It was just the most perfect afternoon and I'm walking along and then there is my friend in full form full colour, standing right in front of me. And I just stop dead in my tracks. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just full of goosebumps right now. (laughs) And he used to wear a cap, a brightly coloured cap, and he'd always wear it backwards. And he's standing there with his signature cap on and he had a really beautiful smile, um, really big grin, and he's just standing there, hands in his pockets, grinning at me with his cap on and I I, like I literally just halt dead in my tracks and the girls are like what and I say he's here and they're like what do you mean he's here I'm like he's here he's right in front of me and they're just they're crying I'm just standing there you know they're clutching me and I'm just standing there and they're like what is he saying what is he saying and again there was no language between us but there was it was all through his face and his kind of emotion that I then felt. 
And he just stood there and he kind of grinned and he nodded his head at me. And the message that came to me was, tell everyone I'm, I'm happy. Tell everyone I've found my peace. I'm okay. And just grinned and grinned and grinned. And I just, and then I was like, thank you so much for telling me. Thank you for coming back to let me know. Because so many of us were all together at that place. Um, and I stood there and I'm crying and the girls are crying and he's just smiling at me and, um, and then he just disappeared. He was just gone. And the girls, and then I kind of came out of it, out of the, you know, connection and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's okay. Everybody, he's okay. And the three of us are sobbing and hugging and, and the other people are like, what on earth is happening? <laughs> because like no one else could see him except for me. And, and I'm like, he's okay. He's okay. And it was just such a relief to know that he'd been in so much pain that he then came back to tell me that he was, he'd found peace and he was happy. And also really interesting um, is the fact that he had been black and white and only his face. And when he returned, he was in full color, full form. There was no see-through element he was full bodied, full, like as if he was in his kind of living life standing right in front of me. There was nothing I could see through about him. It was, it was him whole, complete and, and happy. And he looked so happy. It looked like the old him, like the, the, the guy that I'd known before he decided to commit suicide. Well, I can imagine yeah. your immense relief to see him. How far away from you do you think he stood? Only like, I don't know, a couple of feet. He was right in front of me. It was like he had just stepped through the crowd and just appeared. He was right, right there. So You didn't reach out to try and touch him? No, because I think I was so stunned to see him. I just, it was like I I just, I was shocked. I just didn't know what to do. I wasn't expecting to ever see him again, I suppose, um, because I'd had no other contact with him. I'd tried to, I'd actually tried to make contact with him again, given that I'd, you know, imagined the world and imagined the spokes of light and, and I'd tried to, you know, reach out because I thought, well, maybe I could help or maybe he's got more for me, but he'd never come through. Um, and so I just thought, well, he's gone, he's passed on and, and that's it. But to have him return was stunning, um, beautiful, uh, but really, really shocking and surprising. But I feel at peace with his passing now because I know he found his peace and he found yes. his happiness finally. What a healing moment. I can imagine that that would have been. And so you shared with your friends that were there with you at the festival and then did you also share with perhaps some of his loved ones that weren't there with you later on? Uh, so I shared it with the immediate people that I had shared it with the first time um, and then I really stepped back and let them share it. Um, I didn't have any um, connection with his family um, but I was happy for people to tell their fa his family if they wanted to I just I didn't it was funny I I felt like if they had contacted me and asked me to talk about it then I would have happily shared it with them but I didn't want to interject myself in their loss and their grieving process so 
I was yes, quite reserved yes. with it. Um, there were people at the festival that accused me of lying and accused me of all sorts of things and were quite angry at me saying what I had experienced. There were people in complete belief and did not doubt it or question it for a second. Um, and I think because my two girlfriends were with me when he appeared and they they could see me, obviously they couldn't see him, but they, they watched what I went through. Um, and it was obviously completely real for them. Like I wouldn't make it up. I'm not a person that makes things up. I'm very truthful, mm. sometimes too truthful. Um, mm. I'm a very honest person. So I think for them being able to witness watching me go through the exchange with him, they could then say to others, you know, we saw her, we watched what she went through. Like that was real. Why would anybody make that up? And why would you do it when you're at a festival walking to go and get a cider? <laughs> like, why then? <laughs> uh, but you can't, but so not everybody powerful. believes. Well, that's, that's you know, that's up to everybody. And um, I, I think that had I been there at your side that day, I would have just been thrilled to be able to witness such a thing. I mean, I think it's the closest that some of us are going to get to, you know, having one of these experiences. So I think, yeah, that would have just been astounding. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they both have said to me, I wish I could see him. I wish I could see what you see. It would be so wonderful to see it. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a shame that they couldn't see him and that they can only go off my description of how happy he looked to me um, and felt to me. But, you know, it's nice to be able to at least um, pass that on and give some kind of closure because, I know that that doesn't occur for so many people and it's really lovely to know that he got the closure he needed. That is so lovely and it's lovely for our audience to be able to hear both parts of that story today and they are such, you know, it is such a wonderful story. It expands the mind and heart and I think, you know, we'll all be the better for hearing it, you know, if we can take it in and take in its message. And to me the message is, you know, I've heard it time and again, obviously, I host this podcast and the other one, Spirit Sisters as well, but I'll never tire of the message. And that is, if you agree with me, Rebecca, there is no death. Yeah, it's really interesting that there is still an element, there, we can still have connection even beyond the physical sense. And I think that um, it does give me an element of comfort that um, there is something else and you know, whatever you believe in that, um, you know, whether you believe in a God or not, um, that there is an ability to have connection beyond the grave or beyond the urn and um, and that's really nice. It's really nice indeed. I wonder if um, since then have you been zapped again? Have you had any kind of experience that's up, you know, up with up with this one in terms of its power? Uh, I haven't had anything quite like this. I mean, that's a pretty unique experience. Um, yeah. And I also haven't had a, such a close friend commit suicide. And so, um, you know, I, who knows if I ever go through that again, maybe I might. But I hope 
there I hope I don't um just you know um because I think suicide is such a is so sad for everybody involved to experience it um but I've had plenty of other experiences and um and in fact just very recently I um uh, had a very strong premonition involving my father and what was really nice is that it feels like I've changed the course of his future um, and my parents now know to listen when I call them and say I've had a feeling um, and I did have a feeling about my dad and I said you have to do something differently if you don't do it differently it you know you're actually going to die and I need you to do this differently. And um, and he did and the feeling's gone. So it was really, it was really good. Hooray. Oh, wow. That sounds, it almost sounds like another episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could do lots about my premonitions. There's been many that have, uh, that I've had and they've come true. So um, not always good sadly but um it was really nice that I could change um to a point anyway my dad's future and uh he listened which was which was good well uh, I'm so happy to hear that that your dad is well and um I can't let you go though without asking what can an encounter with the dead teach us about living uh, well, I think it's really that, um, you know, let, let's all enjoy the moments that we have on this plane um, and really cherish each other and the relationships that we have um, because, you know, it's amazing that even though, you know, with my friend I didn't think that he and I were that close but I've got a connection now with him that nobody else in the world has and I really cherish that. I think it's a really special thing connection that's a lovely note to end on and especially in the times that we're all going through now you know uh, cherishing those relationships is very very important if not the most important thing at the moment so thank you Rebecca for for that lovely message and that end note and thank you for coming back on the ghost files to share this absolutely you know beautiful heartbreaking experience thank you my pleasure thanks for having me on the show again Thank you for listening to The Ghost Files. I'm always so happy to read your feedback. So if you love The Ghost Files, please take a moment to rate and review the show and tell a friend. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.